Good morning. Right, we're, 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 we're in the Beatitudes still. And uh, yeah, here it is. Good. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, um, I've sort of uh, been looking at all the other talks uh, that we've been having. And uh, the pressure's on. <laughs> there, have been, there have been some great, great sort of uh, talks about uh, the other verses as we've gone up. And it sort of reminded me, you know, I don't know if you watch the Olympics or the Europeans or the World Championships, uh, the high jump or the, or the pole vault. I love the pole vault. I think it's amazing. How do these guys do it? Okay. And, and, and the bar goes higher and higher and higher. And I, I sort of feel, you know, I'm like the Brit. Sort of thinking, uh, <laughs> going down the runway and thinking, can, can, can I match this? Now, the guy you've got there, he, he's the current um, uh, uh, world, champ world champion and, and he, he's he holds the world record, uh, Armand Duplantis. Apparently, he, he, the height he can now pole vault is taller than this building. <laughs> Look at that. Absolutely amazing. I, I sadly went outside and counted the bricks. To work it out, and uh, yeah, he, he could actually get over uh, the building. But um, we're, we're going to come back to comparison in a minute. Uh, but uh, that Jesus sort of um, uh, sort of is uh, with his disciples, and uh, the the Pharisees, the, the the super spiritual people, come up to him and start laying into him. Uh, it's in Mark chapter seven, if you want to read it. The Pharisees. And some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. You can imagine them all sort of huddled around him, pointing their finger. And they, he saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean. That is ceremonial, um, uh, that is unwashed. The Pharisees uh, and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and couches. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with, un instead, uh, eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Is he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So this gives us a bit of context as to what was going on at that time. And there was, there was this big debate going on. And the whole thing of the heart was crucial uh, to this. And Jesus wanted to sort of get people to think about the heart. The Pharisees were thinking about washing hands, but Jesus wanted them to think about the heart. But what does he mean when he says the heart? Now, quite often when we think about the heart, we think about this sort of lovely, fluffy, romantic sort of idea of the heart. Our emotions, our heart just beats a little bit faster, you know, when you see that certain person. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about something quite different. And when we talk about the inner person, uh, because of, of the way that our, our sort of civilization, our society has developed, we tend to sort of put it into lots of little sections. So we have the emotions, and we have the mind, and we have the will, and we have the conscience, and all these things. But in the, in the Jewish mindset, they were all together. They were all lumped together. And so the word they used to lump all of the inner 
all of the inner sort of workings of who we are was this idea of the heart. Okay, so the Hebrew is lebe, and uh, this this pops up all the way through the Old Testament. This idea of heart is there. When we get to the New Testament, because of the Greek thinking, things sort of get sort of divided up a bit. But certainly, when Jesus was talking to his Jewish audience in the Gospels, he talks about the heart. And this is what he means. He means the whole of the inner person, who we are, the unseen part of us. And so when he comes to the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the heart. And that is our, our sort of uh, reading for today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But even then, people would have been sort of thinking, hold on, hold on, you've missed a bit out here. That, that's not what the Old Testament says. Because in the Old Testament, the, the bit that, that would have been familiar to his audience would have been this in Psalm 24. Familiar to you, of course, as well, isn't it? You're nodding, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I looked it up in a book, but you knew. So, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? If you're Matt Redman. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. So they would have expected Jesus to have said, blessed are those who have clean hands and a pure heart. But Jesus says, blessed are those who have a pure heart. He's making a point here. He's making a point by only talking about the heart. And uh, what we've been looking at in that sort of discussion, in that sort of time when Jesus was surrounded by all these Pharisees and religious sort of experts, that, that, was, that was when this was all coming out and when, when he had to talk about it in a bit more detail. But you see, cleanliness, to have clean hands, was a really, really important thing. Uh, and if we go back uh, into the Old Testament, we see that cleanliness was really, really important. So uh, we've... We've got three scrolls here because all the Old Testament was written on scrolls originally. Okay, so I thought we'd have some scrolls. And the second scroll in is the scroll of Exodus. And right at the end of Exodus, we get this sort of really weird verse in, in, in uh, chapter 40 in verse 35. Because what they've done is they've built this super, super sort of place where God can come and dwell among his people called the Tabernacle. It's sort of a, a series of sort of uh, tents, which all all getting smaller and smaller into the until you've got the holy of holies right in the middle, and that is where God's presence is, and that's where He's going to be. And Moses, they've built this; it's made of gold. They spent days and weeks and months putting this thing together, and Moses comes to it, and he cannot enter the tent of the meeting. He can't come in. God's holiness is there, but he can't enter and then we 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 skip a book and then we get to numbers at the beginning of numbers we read this the lord spoke to moses in the tent of the meeting so we go to this point where where sort of a moses can't even get in to the point where actually god is speaking to him inside the tent of the meeting something has happened in between something has happened in between and i know you're excited about this okay leviticus yeah, yes, Leviticus has happened. Okay, and this is the book which sort of takes them from the point where 
because of their sin, because of everything that's gone on, and we'll think about that in just a moment, they can't get into the tent of the meeting to the point where they are able to get in there. And Moses is able to speak to God in the tent of meeting. And it is the book of Leviticus. This is the book that makes it all possible. How to be ritually clean. How to be ritually clean. And I, I, have you, you people who read the Bible in a year, have, are you one of those people? who've tried that, and you've done Leviticus? Or have you just gone, flick, 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 flick? Okay. It, it's tough going, isn't it? You know, the first few chapters, you think, oh, will this ever end? Uh, it, it, it's, it's meticulous detail about how the people, a sinful people, a people who realize that they've messed up big time, can actually get into the presence of a holy God. But when you think about it, it's amazing that despite everything, despite all their mistakes, all their failures, uh, everything that they'd done, that God was actually making a way for them to be in his presence so they could be there. But it was so difficult and so hard. And so what, what we have here is, is this, this sort of a, this idea that this was absolutely necessary, absolutely necessary for them to be in God's presence. But the reason why I picked on Moses was because Moses sort of had a, a different sort of, um, how can I put it, uh, a, a different sort of desire to maybe some of the other people there. Because what happened, let it, when we go, let's go back into Exodus, because what happened here is they, they, they come out of Egypt uh, and uh, they'd sort of travelled uh, through the desert and they'd sort of stopped at this place called Mount Sinai. And Moses says to everybody, yeah, hold on, I'm going up the mountain to talk to God. Okay, this is where the burning bush happened. I'm going to pop back up there and we're going to carry on the conversation. So he goes up the mountain and he's up there for 40 days. And, uh, in, in, you know, he, he is there in God's presence, in God's presence for 40 days. Absolutely amazing time that he has there. Meantime, everyone down the bottom of the hill has forgotten completely about Moses and decide they're going to create their own God. They make this sort of golden calf and start worshipping it, just as Moses is coming down with the Ten Commandments. Moses is horrified at this, smashes the Ten Commandments, sort of sorts things out at the bottom of the hill, and then goes back up again. And, and then this, the, the, chapters 33 and 34 are quite weird in Exodus. Because it seems that you know, God has given up, Moses has given up, uh, uh, and th there's this sort of conversation where they're sort of trying to talk each other back into sort of uh, you know, uh, making Israel God's people and carrying on. And uh, read it, and they, they, they seem to sort of be helping each other here, sort of a, a mutual sort of uh, uh, sorting things out uh, as they're there. And halfway through this conversation, Moses says this, Lord, I can't go on without you. I really can't, you know, if, if, you, if you stop, if you, if you don't go with us, then it's not going to be worth it. And God turns around to him and says this, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not, do not send us up from here. And Moses says, I, I want to see you, God. God, I want to see you. And God says to him, well, you can't see me. I'm, I'm, I'm too holy. I'm, I'm you know, you'll die. If you, if you see my face, but you will see me. And then a few verses later, God appears to Moses 
on the mountain. He sees the glory of God. He sees God. And that's quite important when we're thinking about this verse. He sees God. And this is what God says. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I'll say it again. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Moses sees God. And this is what a pure heart is. Having compassion, being gracious, being slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. When we see God, we understand what a pure heart is. If we have a pure heart, we recognize God. We see God. The two are linked here. The two are linked. But where do we leave Jesus? Surrounded by a load of Pharisees, all pointing the finger at him, all criticizing him about his disciples not washing, ceremonially washing their hands. This doesn't mean, you know, getting a, the, uh, the anti-anti sort of bacterial washout and sort of, uh, and, and then sort of spraying hands. Do you remember those COVID days? Yeah. Uh, it, it's not, it's not, that wasn't, it was just very more ceremonial washing uh, that they went through. And Jesus uh, turns around to them and, and continues, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. You've let go of the commands of God and you're holding on to the traditions of men. Because what happened was they, they'd, had this, they'd added on all these, all these other rules. And uh, it, at this point, it, they were just oral. They, they were just spoken. They had to be in your memory. Okay. But about two centuries after Jesus, when, when the temple had been destroyed and when, when, the, when the Jewish people had been scattered, they thought, well, we, we, ne- we need to write this down. Otherwise, we're going to forget all the law, all the little rules. And this is, uh, uh, um, so I'm told, I've not read it. Uh, There's this document called the Mishnah. And uh, it's got all the rules written down. And there's a section on cleanliness. And if if you were going to sort of get it in a modern book and and read it in a modern book, it's about 200 pages long. So 11 dissertations of writing of how you could stay ceremonially clean. It makes Leviticus look like a little pamphlet. It really does. You know, Leviticus is nothing compared to the Mishnah. Okay? And, and, and so what, what had happened here is that Jesus is saying, you've, you've, you've lost the plot. And he uses an example about how people, rather than helping their parents out, would take the, the resources they have to help their parents and sort of give it to the temple and, and, sort of, and use it in that way. He said, come on, guys. The law... The covenant says, honour your father and mother, and yet you're using your traditions to stop you from doing what you should do. And he carries on. Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? It's not about the, 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 the ceremonial thing that, that decides whether you're clean or not. For, and they, they were taught, you know, that this, this is... Uh, the thing where you know they had to wash, and if they washed themselves properly, then the meal they ate was clean as well, and everything would be good. He says, "For um, it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body." In this, uh, uh, since saying this, Jesus declared all foods are clean. 
He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make uh, a man or, or anybody unclean. Now, alongside all the, um, the, the, the talks about the, um, uh, the Beatitudes, I also uh, dipped into Pastor Pat's talk uh, when he was here the other day. I didn't, I didn't go all the way through. I skipped bits. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Okay. Um, but um, he, he, he was talking about the lists, wasn't he? He, he brought up all, all, all these lists of all the sort of the, the, the things, you know, that would actually, uh, where we could go wrong and where we could sort of, well, where our hearts could sort of not be in the right place. And, um, and, and, the, and the thing is, is, is that when we look at these, these lists, we can sort of, almost getting to the point where we sort of try and formula, make it into a formula. If I do this and if I do that, then I will have a pure heart. And, and, and the, the thing is, that is not what Jesus is on about. He makes it very clear by this discussion that he has with uh, the, uh, the Pharisees that it's not a formula for having a clean heart. But the, the, thing, the, thing, the thing here that we need to we we need to, to, to do here is that when when we look at it it's easy for us to sort of pick out bits and say oh I'd, I've never done that oh I'm a I'm a good good boy I'm a good girl I've never I've never done that you know I, I must be all right I must I must be good but you, you if you look at the list in any detail I think whoops oh. okay and what what this sort of shows up in a way is that by our own strength. And in doing it our way, we, we can never have a pure heart. It, it's something that's impossible. It's something that we can never get to. We can never be in God's presence. We can never be in relationship with him. Uh, we're lost and alone for eternity. Uh, and, and it's very clear. And in, in, a, in a way, that's, that's what the Old Testament says to us, is that in our own strength and, and in our own ways, we can't do it. And yet, as we enter the New Testament, people are trying really, really hard to do that. Really, really hard. And that is why Jesus focuses on the heart. Because if, if we're just trying to sort of outwardly put on this act of actually having it, having it together and getting it right, then we are um, deceiving other people. We're also deceiving ourselves. But when, if we stay in the Old Testament... We can see that the answer is there. We can see that the answer is there. And this is from the prophet Jeremiah. And he, he lived in a time when things were getting worse and worse and worse. When, when things were as bad as they could get. Uh, which sort of sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? Okay. But this is what he said. In the middle of all, all, all this sort of rejection of God's ways, of idolatry, of people thinking they could do things their way, uh, where the, uh, the leaders of the nation were sort of fitting in with the way of the nations around them just so that they could have an easy life and just so they could hold on to power. Uh, Jeremiah says this, 
The time is coming, declares the Lord, and I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, and we've reflected on that already, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. I will do this, says God. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Only he can do it. But he says here, I will do it. And standing the other side of the cross, we know he's done it. He has made a way. This new covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will give them a pure heart. And you look at Ezekiel and you look at other prophecies and it says the same, same sort of thing. The same sort of thing is coming here. I, I, I find this really interesting that here, here I was earlier in the, in, the, in the sermon saying the heart is not the sort of romantic sort of part of this. And what does God go and do? Talks about marriage, okay, in the middle of all this. In, in trying to get us to understand what's going on here, God actually uses this sort of romantic idea that God has captivated our hearts. God has captivated our hearts. And the, the thing about marriage, uh, and we, we, have, we have to remember this, is that the point of marriage, the reason for marriage, is so that the world around us can actually see what God is like. Marriage is, is, is uh, you know, Christian marriage is, is a way in which we can show what God has done and what God is doing. In that two become one. And there's this connection between these, the, the, this man and this woman. Uh, the way the man is willing to lay his life down, literally die for his, for his, his wife. And the way the wife is, is willing to submit to her husband is a picture of how Jesus has laid down his life, has laid down his life for us. And how we say yes to Jesus, you are my Lord, and, and uh, I commit my life to you. It's a mystery, Paul says. It's a mystery. But every, every Christian marriage should be pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, and saying this is what it's like. You know, and as a husband, I know I fail completely, utterly in, in trying to do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sort of getting it right. But it, it's, it's what we desire, what we work towards, what, what, what we long to do uh, in, in our marriages to point people to Jesus. And that's why it's such so much fun because, you know, uh, he's, he's on our side in it, isn't he? It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. But you see, the thing is, is it's, it's something that God does. It's something that God does for us, this whole idea of a new heart. And if we jump into the New Testament... Uh, it says this in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers nor male prostitutes or homosexual offenders nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. <sighs> Another list. Okay. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And that is how we get a pure heart. That is how it happens. Now, I, I find this, this little passage very, very challenging because this is a reflection of what the church in, 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 uh, in Corinth was like. Well, you've got that list there. That, that's, that's, they're the people that Paul was hanging out with in Corinth. Okay? And again, it, it, it's, it, it's, you know, you look at that and, and, you, and you think, right, okay. I can't point the finger at anybody, can I? God doesn't let me point the finger at people. I'm, I'm, not in, I'm not here to sort of compare. I'm here to welcome. I'm here to love. I find it a very, very challenging set of verses. And, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the current debates in the church, you know, th there's lots of finger pointing. And there's lots of accusations here. Uh, about, you know, who should be in and who should not be in and stuff like that. But the, the thing is here, and what we've got here, is this, this verse 11, where it says, and that is what some of you were. That is what some of you were. And I look at the list and think, yeah, well, you know, there's, there's stuff in there that was what I was. And there, you know, none none is said to be more 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 sort of worse than any other. They're all on a sort of they're all sort of in a list, you know. All of these are sort of uh, pretty much equal. And God has done a good work in me. What has He done? I've been washed. God has forgiven me. I went to we went to a baptismal service last week, and we saw the people going down into the water and coming up back up again. And there's, there's this idea of being washed. Our sins are washed away. Our sins are washed away. We look at Leviticus, and, um, and uh, it, was, it was the blood of, of, of the goats and the sheep and the, and the cattle that, that was shed, and that was what took, that's what cleansed them of their sin. It doesn't make sense to the Western mind, you know, how can blood clean? It's, no, but to, to, to the, sort of the Middle Eastern mind, in, in, you know, uh, in the Bronze Age, it made perfect sense what was going on and, and what was happening there. But we have been washed. It's what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross, when he went down into the grave and when he came back up again. That is what has made the difference. It says you were sanctified. You were made holy. You were made holy. You were justified. You were made righteous. Pete talked about that for ages, so I'm not going to talk about that now. But you see, the thing is, is that when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus now. When he died on the cross, he died for us. His death is the death that we should die for our sins. And we rise so that we now have his life. We now share in his life. And his life was perfect. And holy. His life was righteous. 
his life, he never sinned. And so that is how God sees us now. We are people who, when God sees us, says, oh, you've got a pure heart. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. God sees a pure heart in us. That is who we are. You have a pure heart. When God sees you, he sees Jesus' heart. He sees that pure heart. But we need to turn to those great theologians, Rent Collective. And uh, in, their sort of, um, in their sort of discussion about this verse, they come up with these words at the end of their little treatise on this. And you're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me yet. By your power, I can change, I can change, because you're not finished with me yet, okay? And that's how the song goes. Because it's not a case of the fact that uh, we were saved, everything was sorted, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven, everything is fine, you know, God just sees me as perfect. But if, if we read the scriptures uh, carefully, and this comes up from time to time, but I think we, 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 need, to, we need to sort of come back to it again, that we have been saved, we are being saved, we will be saved. We have been saved. Okay? Jesus died on the cross, you know, you're giving your life to him, boom, yes. Heaven is guaranteed, eternal life is guaranteed. Yes, you're righteous in God's sight, but if we're honest... God may see our hearts as pure, but we know there's still some work to do. And there's this ongoing process. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's refining us. He's making us like him. He's doing, he's doing that work in us. Uh, so there's that work which is going on at the same time. And we will be saved. We will be saved. Uh, I want to just take you back to those COVID days just for a minute. Okay? Anybody with glasses remember COVID? <laughs> okay. And there you go, you, sort of, you, you put your mask on as you go into the supermarket or something like that. You go, oh, I can't see a thing now. Okay. And you're sort of frantically trying to clean your glasses. And Paul says this. He says, we see now as somebody with COVID glasses on, but we will see face to face. Okay. Now, it's only slightly different, wasn't it? Oh, yes, we see now as we look in a, dark, a glass darkly, but one day we will see face to face. We will see face to face. And you see, there's a process that's going on in that God is, has purified our hearts. And so we start to see him. And as the Holy Spirit works in us, so we see him more clearly and more clearly and more clearly, but the glasses are still fuzzed up. But one day, we will see him face to face. We will see God. But we're already seeing him now. And we'll see him more and more and more and more as we go through. And, and, and that's what it's all about. And, and this, is, this is not by us washing our hands in a certain way or eating foods in a certain way. And, and, and this was why Jesus left the, the, that little bit out because he was making a point here. It's all about what's going on in the heart. It's all about what's going on in the heart. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, well, I've, I've never actually said yes to Jesus. And if the, the, if the only way forward 
is to say yes to him. Then I need to do this right here and right now. And you can. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, you can do it. It's very, very simple. I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can, in your, in your mind, just join in. And you, and, you, and you can do it. And then you can come and find, you know, Martin or Pete or myself or, or somebody after you and say, look, I, I prayed this prayer. Can you just explain and just help? Just, I just want to make sure I know what I've done. And we, we can talk and we can pray together. But if in, you, if in your heart, in your inner self, you're certain that this is something you need to do right now, then I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can just, in your mind, just, just pray it as well. Father God, I, I, I thank you for all you've done for me. I thank you that you love me. You've never given up on me. And uh, you want me to be in your family, to know you and to walk through life with you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sin and shame. Thank you for sorting all that out. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that now, when Father looks on me, he sees me as perfect and clean and pure. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you rose from the dead. Because now I know that life is something I can know right now, but forever. I join in your eternal life. So Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. Come and fill me with your presence. Lord, come and fill me so that I know that everything I've just prayed and just asked for is true. Lord, be that guarantee that this decision I've made is something that's going to transform my life forever. Give me the power to live your way and to walk with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. But there's one more thing. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. Because... This, 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 is, this is where Jesus found himself. You know, the, 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 the Pharisees saying, you know, you're, you're not, your disciples are not as good as ours. You know, you're, 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 you know and it got into this argument. Uh, but Jesus was saying, stop comparing. And there's this great verse that Paul, you know, um, uh, in Paul, one of Paul's letters in Romans, where he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I better say that again because some of you seem to have fallen asleep. There is no condemnation. God does not point the finger at you. He's not into comparing. He says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And in case you hadn't got the hang of this, I love you. It doesn't matter whether you get it right or you get it wrong. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not. I still love you. And I'm not going to condemn you. I'm just going to draw you to myself. Go back to this husband thing. I'm going to woo you. I'm going to draw you to myself. Because there are, there are things, there's things that you, you, you need to understand. Because now 
now, you know, you're my child and, and we're walking together. Things have changed and they've changed forever. There's this, there's this great little card that they hand out at Freedom in Christ. Um, and it says, who I am in Christ. And I'll, just, I'll read a few. I'm now free from condemnation. Yeah, Romans 8, 1 to 2, we just looked at that. I'm assured that all things work together for good. I'm free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I'm a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his life. I've been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been made righteous. I'm united with God. I've been bought with a price. And sometimes we can sort of we can sort of be in, in the sort of a in the personal thing of just comparing ourselves to other people. And perhaps that's you. You walk into church each Sunday and you think, Oh dear, I'm not as good as this lot. I tell you you're probably better. You're probably better. Don't sit under condemnation. That's something the devil does. He likes to get us into the comparing thing. Start to be the person that God wants you to be. Be set free. Walk in that freedom. Invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Yeah, it, the Holy Spirit will sort of help us to see where we're, 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 we're sort of getting it wrong a bit. Uh, I was um, watching a, a, a video the other day um, about this, this uh, guy called Ian McDowell, who's part of Tough Talk. And he tells this story about when he becomes a Christian. And he says, uh, he says, some things took me a while to, I didn't quite work it out to start off with. He said, um, uh, because this, he'd been a, a doorman working on, on the doors outside clubs and into a lot of violence and stuff like that. And uh, he said, this guy phoned him up and said, um, Ian, have you got any of those knuckle dusters? And he says, yeah, I've got, I've got some in a box. Yeah, I've got them somewhere. He says, do you want some? And... Uh, uh, the guy says, yes, please. And then Ian says, I know. Uh, he says, w where do you live? He said, oh, Canning Town. He said, ah, oh, I go to a church in Canning Town. Um, uh, meet me after the service and uh, meet me in the car park and uh, I'll have him in my boot and I'll sell you some, some of the, the knuckle dusters. And so he goes ahead and he does it. And then down the line, he realises that actually perhaps as a Christian he shouldn't be selling knuckle dusters to people so he can beat other people up. You know, we, 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 we are in a process, you know. And perhaps you aren't selling knuckle dusters to people in the car park after church, you know. <laughs> but but th there's things, there's things that God is wanting, longing, longing for us to sort of get the hang of. But he's not condemning. He just gently points it out to us. And then we choose whether we want to step into what he wants us to do and the way he wants us to live. Whether this pure heart that we've been given is something that we're going to live up to. But he never, ever condemns. Our sins condemn us, not him. So perhaps this morning, you're, you, you're, sort of, you're, you're, in a, you're in the poor old me situation. And once again, you're feeling you're not very good. Invite the Holy Spirit to come in so that once again, you can know that God loves you. He loves you and he's never going to stop loving you. And just to let the Holy Spirit do that work.
the work that he wants to do to help our, our heart to become more like his. A heart that's uh, compassionate and gracious, that's faithful. Just like he said when he walked on the mountain before Moses. Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for this promise. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. And like Moses, we want to see you. We want to see you. So open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. That's what we sang at the beginning. So we pray it again now. Because we meant it when we sang it, and now we understand it a bit more, so we're going to say it. Lord Jesus, we pray you come by your spirit. And Lord, if there are things in our lives where we know that we are choosing to walk in the opposite direction to you, where we're not living up to that pure heart, where we know we need to confess and we know we need to put things right with you, Lord, we, we do that right now. We do that right now. But Lord, we thank you that you do not stand over us condemning us. That you love us. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. That we may know your love in a deeper and a greater way. Lord, this morning, we want to see you. We want to see you. And as we see you, we pray that you draw us to be like you. Lord, open our eyes. Come, Holy Spirit, that we may see you this morning in all your glory and all your splendor and in all your wonder, but in characteristics that we long and we yearn to have more and more. Help us to see you so we can be like you. And as we are like you, we thank you that we will see you more. Lord God, we pray that by your Spirit, you may open our eyes, that we may see you, so that we may become more like you. And as we become more like you, so we will see you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Should we stand?